You're listening to I Can't Wait to Tell You with Casey Edward featuring Allie Bonner, episode 45. Welcome to I Can't Wait to Tell You, a podcast I created to share with you my knowledge, stories, and experiences on spirituality, food, health, mindset, and on life in general. My goal is to tell you everything I wish I had known when I decided to take control of my reality and start living the life of my dreams. We all deserve to make some magic, so let's jump right in because there are so many things I can't wait to tell you. Hello, hello, friends. Welcome back to another episode of I Can't Wait to Tell You. Today's episode is indeed an interview episode with the lovely Allie Bonner of the Avo Queen Instagram. I get into this in the show, but I've been following Allie essentially since she started her her Instagram, I think. I don't know how I even found her back in the day, but I have loved following her ever since because she just keeps it so real and she's hilarious and I have been looking forward to connecting with her. So this was such a treat and she is such a good, kind soul, just as I expected. And a little funny thing is I asked her before the show how to pronounce her last name. It's B-O-N-A-R. And I thought it was going to be Bonar, but it's Bonner. And she said that it has been read before as Boner. And I was like, I, that's weird. Like, I don't really think it, I would never have even thought of that. It's It doesn't look like that. Like, it's not an E. And sure enough, when I first <laughs> introed her, which I did not end up using, I said Allie Boner. So, <laughs> yeah, it was, it was quite a funny start to the show. But yeah, this is a great episode. We talk about Everything from body image and cultivating self-love and eating and your relationship with food to running a business and dealing with burnout and how to avoid it, but what happens when it does happen and how to go from there. And it was just so fun. She's such a lady boss. And yeah, you guys are going to love this one. So let's get to the show. All right, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of I Can't Wait to Tell You. I'm Casey, and I'm here with Allie Bonner of the Avo Queen Instagram, as well as the Queen and Co. Instagram. So I was just telling Allie, I was one of her OG followers back in the day when she started Avo Queen. I don't know how I started following you. I must have just seen one of the food photos and... I love following her because from the beginning, she was on her stories and was so open and honest and real and hilarious. And so I stuck around for not only the food and the drippage of the nut butters and everything, but just all of the posts that really resonated with me. And so Allie's one of the first people I thought of actually when I started the show, and I've been really excited to have her on. Like I said, she is the co-founder of Queen & Co., which is the first in the world, first spreadable (laughs) granola butter, which is so cool. First ever. (laughs) (laughs) And yeah, Allie, if you want to tell everyone a little bit about yourself. Yeah, awesome. Well, thank you so much for having me. Um, So yeah, I mean, like Casey said, I am the co-founder of Queen & Co. um, And so we make a product called granola butter, which is kind of just what it sounds like. It's spreadable granola. Um, so I kind of explain it to people as, um, it has like the texture of an almond butter, but it tastes almost like liquid Teddy grams. If you remember those like cinnamon Teddy grams, um, some people say like liquid churro. I I don't know. So it all depends on like, I don't know your ethnicity, I guess. (laughs) 
but yeah, so we, um, we launched about 10 months ago. Um, and before that I never even dreamed of, of having my own food company. Um, so like a quick bio, um, I studied nutrition at UC Berkeley and, um, always kind of was fascinated with nutrition and, um, and, you know, healthy eating and how food can kind of make your body feel a certain way. I just thought that was just mind blowing. Um, and so, you know, instead of going into, um, dietetics or another field like pre-med, a lot of my friends went into med school. Um, after that, I, I was actually kind of burned out on like the science of nutrition and, and learning about nutrition because it had kind of, um, affected me in a negative way. So, um, I developed, um, I guess the closest thing would be like orthorexia, um, while I was in college. And it just, it really stemmed from, um, just information overload with like all the nutrition, um, information that I had learned and, and it started as, you know, kind of a healthy um, place where I wanted to just learn more about healthy eating. And then it really went into like a dark path. So, I mean, we can talk about that not to get too dark at the beginning. But um, but through that journey, I really started to explore more the intuitive eating side of food. And um, and then that's when I launched my Instagram account, Avo Queen, because, you know, I love avocados. <laughs> and just, yes, queen. Um, and so that was, yeah, I guess a year and a half ago or something like that. Um, and that really just kind of depicted my journey to intuitive eating. And, and like you said, Casey, all my ups and downs. And really from the beginning, I wanted to use social media as a place to be super vulnerable and transparent. And I, I was just feeling really frustrated with all of the other social media accounts out there that um, were only showing the good side of things. You know, it was only showing these women and men, you know, meditating and sipping green juice all day. And, and that was just not the wellness um, that I wanted to promote. And, and I think there's so much more to that than just, you know, green juice. Um, so yeah, so I'm kind of, you know, showing both sides. Um, and then now it's kind of transitioned to the business side of things with the launch of our company and stuff. So it's been, it's been a little bit of a journey, but yeah, I'm glad that you were there, you know, from the very beginning. Yeah, absolutely. And thank you for that introduction. It's been such a fun part of following you because it just so happened that as you were unfolding from leaving a full-time job to going to run a business, I was too. So I was like, and and the eating was so, so similar. We were having such a similar path. So I was like, this is so interesting and it's been so nice. Um, and I'm sure so many people feel like that because like you said, when you can hear someone else talk about what they're going through and have a moment of I'm not alone, it is such it, it opens up the world of recovery, right? It opens up the world of maybe I should talk to someone then maybe, maybe since I'm not alone, like other people are going through this. It's just so great. So thank you for always being that voice. And yeah, if you don't mind getting into with us, just how studying nutrition and having that information overload led to something like orthorexia. And maybe you could start with how you knew that it was getting past the point of being healthy and being just concerned mm -hmm. about what you ate. No, absolutely. Um, and I, I really want to preface it by saying, you know, I'm such a big proponent of just the wellness movement in general. I think overall, like even things like, you know, Whole30 and, and those types of, of diets and ways of eating have gotten kind of a bad rap, like on our little sphere of Instagram. Um, and I think it all comes from, you know, what mindset you have, because I really do believe like, you know, the whole wellness movement is awesome for the majority of America, right? Like we have a huge obesity epidemic and I just think it's 
it's something that um, I never thought I would see. You know, I go into CVS and there's like collagen peptides in like one of the aisles at CVS. And my mom, you know, I come home and my mom and dad are like, oh, we cooked some quinoa. And I'm like, what? Like you, you know, you guys, right. um, they were like, you know, wheat thins eaten, like cheese and crackers type of people. Um, and so I think, yeah, like as a whole, it's such a great movement. Um, I just think it does get tricky kind of when people take it too far. And, you know, I'm very type A, obviously, you know, went to Berkeley very perfectionist um and so for me like I definitely took it too far um and so I guess the moment that I realized that it was um an issue was I was out to dinner with my girlfriends and you know I was still during this whole time of like really having anxiety around food and, and disordered thoughts I never thought that you know I had an eating disorder because you always think of the stereotypical anorexic as, you know, a woman who's like 70 pounds and hospitalized and, you know, waif like, um, and I was like pretty athletic, you know, I honestly like kind of look like I look now. Like I was just like sporty and athletic and I like to run and, you know, I like to drink and like, I just felt pretty like a normal college student. Um, and, but it was just the mental side of things. I was so, you know, my headspace was so cluttered with thoughts of, of food all the time. And, you know, Oh, should I have this or that? Or, and I think that's like happens to a lot of people is, is almost having these, um, food anxieties or disordered. Like I always think of it as like disordered eating versus like having an eating disorder sounds so like significant. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and so that's what kept me from seeking therapy and treatment for so long was because I just kept thinking like, Oh, this isn't that big of a deal. Like, you know, I just like, you know, I'm kind of obsessed with food like that's kind of weird but whatever like I'm studying nutrition so maybe that's why <laughs> like I didn't really know yeah. and but I really yeah I got to this point where I was like okay this is an issue I was at dinner with my girlfriends and you know we sat down it was with a couple girls that I had studied abroad with and I hadn't seen in like a couple you know years and I was super excited to get dinner with them and the only thing I could think about we sit down and I'm like scanning the menu for just like the healthiest thing on the menu and I'm like okay looking for like veggies I'm like all right kale salad done and, like, I didn't even think about, like, what I wanted to eat or what my body was craving. And I remember thinking, like, oh, like, those tacos look really good. And one of my girlfriends got, like, the tacos. And the food came. And all I could think about was, oh, I should have got the tacos, you know. And yeah. then, and then she, you know, afterwards I get home and I'm, like, still kind of snacky. So I go into my cabinet and I start wrestling around and, like, have some nut butter, have some of this, have some of that. And I realized, like, oh, my God, I didn't even enjoy that. I, I don't even remember what we talked about. Mm -hmm. Like, mentally, I was just not there. Yeah. And I was so upset with myself. And I was so um, just disappointed and, you know, and just felt so selfish and, like, self-absorbed. Mm -hmm. And so it was from that moment on. It was the, that was the very end of college. It was my senior year. And I was going to be graduating soon. And I was like, all right, I need to get this nailed down. And so I, um, that was, so then I graduated, moved into the city in San Francisco and reached out to, um, her name's Molly. Um, she's balanced by Molly on Instagram. And I remember finding her on Instagram actually. And cause I had never, you know, seen a therapist. I had never really talked to anyone. I kind of, like I said earlier, like I didn't think that that was something that I needed. I thought I could just kind of handle it myself, but like clearly this had been going on for a long time. And, um, and so I reached out to her and I just set up like our first call and, the minute that I told her, like, it was like the minute that I just told someone half of like my healing had just happened in that instant. It was like this huge weight had been lifted. And, you know, I think anyone who has issues with food can relate that like, it's very isolating and it's very, 
Um, it's just, you know, it's something that you're not going to openly tell someone like, Hey, like I really have a messed up relationship with food. Um, nice to meet you. And so, yeah. So the minute that I told her, you know, I just felt, wow, like the floodgates had opened. And, um, and so from there really, it kind of, um, created a lot of lasting change. And I, I started to open up about it, which has helped the most. Mm-hmm. I, I really like that you said that because I went through the same thing where sometimes we think because it's not that bad, air quotes, that bad, that like, it's fine. It's totally fine. But when you really have the moment, like you have where you take a step back and you're like, not only is all of my energy going there, all of my thoughts are going there. Like I am just living in what am I going to eat? What am I not going to eat? What am I going to get? I used to not be able to go out to eat. I would skip birthdays. Like it just encapsulates you. Like there's nothing Mm -hmm. you can do. And like you said, it's just once you can kind of just know that you're not alone and reach out to someone, then it's so helpful. So did you continue to work with Molly for quite some time until you felt ready to kind of break away and do it on your own? Yeah. So I worked with her for, I would say about three or four months, um, in the beginning mm-hmm. and, um, and, you know, it was leading up to my trip to Italy with my family and I was feeling really anxious about that. And, um, and she kind of, it was just so nice to have someone who knew how to ask the right questions. And, you know, it was very different from when I finally ended up telling my mom and telling Eric, my boyfriend and telling my best friends from college all of them luckily, you know, have very normal relationships with food. So by normal, I just mean that, um, they, you know, they eat and whatever they feel like, and then they move on and there's no like weird feelings around it or, you know, compensating or those types of behaviors. Um, and so, which is kind of strange, you know, I grew up with tons of my friends actually were just totally normal eaters. And that's really rare too. You know, I lived in a sorority house and we had some people who had some issues, but it, it wasn't like, you know, I, it was like contagious and I, you know, was influenced by that. Um, and so when I finally told my friends and my family, um, they, they really empathized with me, but they didn't get it. Like they didn't, um, they didn't really know how to act. They didn't know like what to say. Um, you know, my mom was just kind of like, of course, blamed herself. It was like, Oh, what did I do? You know, when you were growing up type of thing. And so then I felt bad. I was like, no, it wasn't you. It was just the media and yeah. <laughs> our society. Yeah. Um, and so working with Molly was awesome because she really like got to the root of the problem and it's never about the food, you know, it's, it's, that's always just like a band aid. And so, um, yeah, so I worked with her for a couple months and then, you know, went to Italy. I think we took like a month break or so cause I was kind of feeling good about things. And then I ended up going back and working with her for another like two or three months after that. Um, and then it got to the point, you know, by our last appointment, she was like, I think you're just like paying me to hang out at this point. Like, <laughs> like I think cause we're really good friends now. And I was like, I think like, we're done here. Like you're, you know, and of course it's always a journey, but she just provided me with so many good tools and building blocks. And, um, I mean, we're friends. So I just, I still text her sometimes when I'm like kind of freaking out and, um, yeah, but I always say like, I mean, recovery is not linear. And, um, I mean, every day I really, you have to like choose recovery and choose like, um, wanting to eat and, and nourish your body out of a place of love versus restriction. Because I mean, even now I, I'll, sometimes I'll scroll my Instagram feed. I'm like very protective of who I follow, mm-hmm. but I'll like see someone on the explore page and I still get kind of triggered, you know, especially around January, um, new year's resolutions and stuff like that. And like all these cleanses, like I'll see that. And I'm like, I still have a little like 
old remnants of like, oh, maybe I should like do a sugar detox, you know, mm-hmm. that, that type of thing. So mm-hmm. it's always just, you know, I mean, it's not like every day I wake up and I'm like, you know, recovery, like I have to do, you know, I'm thinking about it all the time, but it is kind of in the back of my mind and it is like an intention that I set for myself. Absolutely. So what, if you don't mind sharing with us, what was at the bottom of food for you? Like for, I know for me, it was just not feeling enough. And so I would just control the feeling of not being enough by only eating this much or eating this much to feel not, to feel not enough even more so. So what was at the bottom of all of this for you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so mine was definitely, yeah, not feeling enough. I would say even bigger than that though, was, um, having a false sense of control when everything in my life was kind of not in control. Um, and so, you know, at the time, like I'm in college and obviously college is just such a time of like crazy, just everything's changing. And, um, I think it was the worst probably my freshman year of college. And I was, at the time I was dating like my high school boyfriend who we did like the long distance thing. I feel like everyone does that. So them. Um, and yeah, so like kind of depressed, you know, I was all emo about like not having him there and, um, just the adjustment to college. And so like food was really just the only thing I could control. And, and so restricting that made me feel like I had this sense of control. And then of course you get on that roller coaster of, you know, your body rebels because you're not adequately feeding yourself. And so then, you know, I would, I would come home. I remember freshman year in the dorms, like I, it was like 2am, you know, we went out to the frats or whatever we did. <laughs> and I was like, I never drank a ton freshman year because I was afraid of calories. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I would have a couple drinks just enough to lower my inhibitions. Mm-hmm. And I remember coming home and just eating and eating and, and just feeling so out of control and those feelings. And it was scary because, you know, like, I don't know, it's just, the feeling of like not being able to control your own actions, um, was terrifying. And so I had never experienced that before. And, you know, looking back, I have such compassion for myself because now it's easy because it's like, Oh, I think of myself as almost like a little sister. When I look back at like my younger self and I'm like, Oh, like, I just wish I could have told you like, yeah, obviously your body's like crying out for, for nutrients and, and nourishment, like, you know, and throw some tequila shots in there. Obviously you're going to eat everything. Don't beat yourself up about it. Um, Like I do that now, you know, but I'm fine with it. Um, But yeah. And so then the whole next day, you know, it'd be like just repenting for my sins and like going for a five mile run and, you know, eating super clean. Um, And those are just things that, you know, don't exist for me anymore, luckily. And um, I think it's such a journey and really, I mean, kind of learning to forgive yourself was, was something that was like the biggest takeaway and, um, and also just like not taking things so seriously. Like I think before starting to work with Molly and, and dealing into a lot of these issues, like it seems, everything seems so significant. And like, that's one thing that I really tried to, to show in my Instagram account is like, you know, like having issues with food is definitely a serious thing and and it causes a lot of people a lot of pain and a lot of suffering but if you can kind of like step outside yourself and like look at the big picture like you know there are people who don't even have enough food in in third world countries and stuff like that and so when I really started to practice more gratitude around wow like I'm lucky enough to have this abundance of food that like I have issues around like controlling it and like that was eye-opening to me and really mind-blowing and so um you know, obviously everyone's different, but like that was something that helped me a lot was just kind of realizing like, wow, 
Like this is a first world problem. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And that's, it's so true, right? Like, cause we get so caught up, like you said, and then it's like, but we have food and we have the ability to nourish ourselves. And it's such a good tip for just kind of shifting the paradigm of how we think about food. And the other thing you just said, which is so insightful is to think of yourself as a little sister or to think of like the little girl version of yourself. And if you were to see a little girl, like controlling her food or not eating or eating out of control, you would feel so bad and show so much compassion and be like, you are okay. You are enough. You are loved. So thinking of yourself as that little girl or as a little sister is such a good way to be able to give yourself that self-compassion. So now that you run your own business, I know that you probably have like big chunks of time where you're just doing your work on your own. Is there ever a time where you do still feel those remnants of the feelings coming up? And if so, what do you do to kind of sit with them or maybe do you go for a walk or do you have any tips for when they do come up? Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, so in my recovery, you know, like I would say freshman year, I was restricting a lot and kind of starting to have like the ups and downs of restrict binge cycles. And then, you know, as I stopped, um, restricting, I actually, and started to heal my relationship with food. I actually went through this period where, and it was kind of more recent, I would say in the last few years where I still had those patterns of, um, like, uh, like compensating for feelings of loneliness and sadness and anxiety. Um, I would still, you know, eat to kind of mask those, those feelings. Mm -hmm. And it got to the place where that's not really healthy either, you know, like, um, not sitting with your feelings and not feeling them and just turning to food that also wasn't good for my mental or physical being. Um, and so that's been something that, you know, I've been wanting to, you know, I've talked about a little bit on Avo Queen and, and wanting to talk about more because I'm still kind of like figuring out, but, um, but definitely, you know, that's, I think the side of recovery that not a lot of people talk about is, is okay. Once you're kind of, you feel like your relationship with food is like more healed, but your brain still creates these patterns. And I don't know if you've ever listened to, um, it's called brain over binge. Um, but I think her name is Catherine Hansen. It's a book and then a podcast and it helped me a ton because it kind of strips away all of the, um, emotional side of things. Like I think a lot of times when people are overeating or, or binge eating, they, think, okay, ugh, like, what does this mean? And they, and they try to find the meaning in it. And like, you know, what is this like from my childhood that caused this? And, and she really breaks it down to just the science. She's like, your brain just, you know, it's like these, um, these like grooves in your brain where if you just keep signaling, you know, to eat when you feel a certain way, then your brain's going to just go to that. It's just a habit. Yeah. And so she's like, it's and it, the simplicity of it was mind blowing to me because she was like the, <laughs> the answer to stopping your binge eating is not Binge, like, like, don't, right. answer, don't answer the urge, you know. Yes. And I remember I was like walking to work, listening to this podcast, and I was like, "What? Like, that's it?" Um, and and so I think you know, in in my recovery, like, I've really kind of had to work on outside of food, more the emotional healing, and so um, that just meaning. Uh, sitting with my emotions and like really moving through them and feeling them as like woo woo as that sounds. Mm-hmm. Um, I grew up with two parents who were just super happy people, like to their core. And so, you know, whenever I was sad or whenever I felt anxious, I not no fault of their own, but I didn't feel like I could like cry or I didn't feel like I could, um, share how I was feeling with mm-hmm. them because they were always just like so happy and like just naturally very happy. <laughs> and, and like, I'm a pretty happy person baseline, but like everyone has, you know, the human emotion, like you, you go up and you go down. And I think, learning that every emotion is just this like awesome, juicy, like part of life has been 
so eye-opening to me because um, before I just always thought that if I was sad, I had to fix it somehow. Yeah. Instead of like, like I'm so excited to have kids and, and share and teach them that, you know, when they're crying, like, okay, this is sadness. Like feel this, you know, and like sit with it. And, and that's something that I've just learned, like within the last, I would say like six months, I'm like really trying to, yeah. to lean into. And it's funny because Eric is, my boyfriend is like, so he's like, just naturally just not emotional at all. He's like, we kind of like joke that he's just like monotone. <laughs> and so I'm like definitely the emotional one. Um, but we'll just be in the car and like, he knows now that I'm like, really trying to like feel my emotions and so like I'll just start like crying for no reason and he's just like at first he was like what is wrong like what's going on and now he's just like he like gets it you know and <laughs> he's like good for you feels, yeah he's like all right all right like gives me a little like fist bump you know yeah um but I don't know I just feel like after you have like a good cry it's just so so cathartic so to go back to your question I know I kind of veered off um but yeah I mean I've floundered a ton with like having making my own schedule and I think something that's helped a lot is um time blocking and and kind of you know creating like a a false it's not a fake schedule but but chunks in the day where it's like all right in the morning I'm gonna do this and this um I'm such a like rituals person so like waking up every morning and like making my um little drink and then like you know I'll walk outside Mm -hmm. that's kind of helped me too um, but to be honest with you, like, yeah, it's been tough, like just working from home, um, getting outside the house helps a lot. Like I usually will work from a cafe. Um, I wanted to be home for this cause like sound quality, um, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I definitely still feel those feelings of like, you know, it, usually it would hit me like in the afternoon, like, um, I've been kind of running around all morning and getting, I would get quiet around like three or 4 PM. And that's when I would start to be like, Oh, I have. I don't want to keep working, you know, I'd rather, like, make a snack, or I'd rather, like, munch on something, and I just know that's, like, kind of a dark path for me, and obviously, if you're physically hungry, like, I would eat something, but, um, but realizing, like, okay, this is just an emotional hunger versus this is a physical hunger. Mm -hmm. Wow, okay, all of that was so perfect, no, it was, it was literally so perfect, and, like, I feel the exact same way, because, it's so funny because if, if you don't feel a feeling, then it's kind of like, hi, I'm here. Hi, I'm here. And then it will start poking and poking louder, louder, get bigger, bigger. But when you can, although it is the most uncomfortable thing we can do, sit with it. And like you said, cry it out. Like I remember the last time I ever made myself sick on purpose, I was like, okay, this is the moment. This is the night that I changed things. And so I sat there and I physically experienced the feeling of wanting to do it. And then I didn't. And then it like my fist clenched and I felt it and then it burnt out and you're kind of like, Oh, Whoa. Okay. Like I'm releasing it. Like this is, this is possible. And then it's so, it's so funny. Like you said, like, and then it becomes also just the simplistic thing of like, I'm just not, I'm just not going to overeat. Like what will be my net happiness right now? Like I could, there's no preference. There's no right or wrong, but what will make me net happier? (laughs) That's how I like Mm -hmm. to think of it. Like what will make me happier? And so it's like, you have the power to do whatever you want. So those were so good. And the other morning when you were walking on Instagram in the morning and you said, and I relate to this so much that getting in your body helps you kind of stay out of your mind with all of this. And I couldn't agree more. Totally. Oh my God. Movement is like my, it's my meditation. Yeah. And I definitely love, I mean, sitting and that's my goal for 2019 is like to do more sitting meditation. Cause I think my mom is, a, both my parents are big runners too. And like, she always was like running is cheaper than therapy. And like, I think it is, but also like, it's also running away from a lot of your problems, you know? So it's like a combination of the two, but no, you're so right. Like, I mean, I just have found that moving your body and it, 
it ha- it doesn't like have to be this intense. Like I used to be like, all right, Barry's boot camp, Soul Cycle, like really high intense stuff. Like I love walking now and just like just moving. Like anything that feels good to you, and like just do something that you want to do. You know, like don't force yourself to go to bar. Like to be honest with you, I kind of hate bar. Me too. I mean. <laughs> I've like tried. I've had some classes, and yeah. I have a couple like friends who are bar instructors. So sorry, but like, I've, and I've been to their classes, and like, they're fine. But I, I'm more of like a, I like like punching things and moving and running and mm-hmm. like little pulsing. Like, doesn't do it for me really. So, um, yeah. So finding like what works. Yeah, for that's you. so funny. I'm the same. I was like plieing with a ball one time, and I was like, I have so much energy. I like, can't. I don't know what to do with all I hate of this. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and something. Yeah that you talked about recently, maybe yesterday, that I loved so much that I had to make a note of was because this is, like you said, kind of the other side that we don't see very much. So I think we do see a lot of recovery on the orthorexia side, like eat intuitively, eat whatever you want, have the cookie. But I've talked about before, I'm coming from the other side sometimes of like, I ate the cookie. I ate 10 cookies. So it's also okay not to. And yesterday you posted about, you can love your body but still want to change it. Like that's okay. So if you want to talk a little bit about that and like what you shared, I'd love that. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so this is something that like really kind of moving forward is, is my food philosophy in 2019. Um, and it really came from, and I posted yesterday about my breast reduction, um, and you know, wanting to change your body. Like you can do that via plastic surgery. Um, but I guess what the best way I can describe it is, what we were talking about earlier, you know, I was on one side of the pendulum, super strict, clean, healthy eating, um, you know, trying to lose as much weight as I could. And then I swung all the way to the other side and was really just like, oh, like I thought anyone who was on a diet was like anti-feminist, um, you know, didn't love their body, was trying to conform to like some societal ideal. And that's like not a great place to be either because that's still judging people and that's still super judgmental and and I think I've gotten to this place in the middle where, um, you know, whatever feels best for you. Like personally, I am so in awe of people who um, who can kind of own their body at any size. Mm-hmm. And but I feel my best, like regardless of of what society thinks. Mm-hmm. I actually feel my best when I'm strong and fit and a little bit lighter, just mm-hmm. for running purposes, like for physical <laughs> usage. Yeah. Um, and you know, with that, and a lot of that came from before my breast reduction, I just had these huge, like saddlebags on me. <laughs> and to be honest with you, and like, I'm not this like Kim Kardashian, like own your curves type of girl. Like I'm, I'm just not like mentally. I love running and I love moving. And, and so I feel so much better when I'm lighter. Mm-hmm. And so now, you know, I'm about like 10 or 15 pounds over, probably like what I feel comfortable mm-hmm. in. And so in 2019, I'm, I'm kind of exploring the idea of like, can I lose 10 pounds from a place of love? Mm-hmm. And, um, and it's kind of like an experiment. And if I, and I'm really conscious of like, you know, do, are, are these tendencies going to come back? Mm-hmm. Um, and if they are, I'm going to be like, okay, yo, can't, can't do this. Yeah. Um, but it's going to be kind of interesting to, to explore. And, um, again, it's like, for no one but myself. And it's really, I love my body the way it is, but I also want to push it and see like what I can accomplish. You know, it's like you get one life, like why not like be the best version of yourself and not the best meaning the thinnest or the fittest. Like the best is what I mean by that is like, what is the best version to you? Um, and I think that's what's like lacking a little bit just in the intuitive eating, like health at every size space, just because people are like, yeah, like do whatever. And I just, 
I need more, I need like goals and I need like things to reach. And, um, I just didn't really, that didn't resonate with me as much. So I don't know if that makes sense, but that's something I'm like exploring in 2019. Yeah. A hundred percent. And thank you for talking to that because I felt the same way because, you know, like we said, like some people love bar, like my friends are like dancers and they're so fit from bar, but I like, if I, I, I get in a hit class, I feel so good. Like that's just different bodies, different styles, different loves for things. And I feel my best at a certain weight too. And I know, and I know that. And so I've been experimenting with the same thing. Like, can I get to a place where I love my body and love my body now and love the whole journey? And it is so interesting because the answer is yes. And it just takes practice. Like whenever I think about it, I'm like, this is just practice. I'm practicing, like you said, like rewiring my brain to eat for, eat for enjoyment. You know, like I feel like I took so much joy out of food that every time I eat now, I'm like, hell yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yes, I love this. I like dance I when this. I'm eating like this. And that, like mm-hmm. that feeling when you're eating, like you could be eating a kale salad, but if you're upset about it and you're anxious about it, you're not even getting it, like get those nutrients because oh my gosh, of how wow. you're digesting or not digesting, you know? So yeah, I totally agree with that. I mean, I think there was some study where they did, I don't know if this is what you're um, referencing, but it was like a Swedish population and like a, a Thai or like Vietnamese population. And they switched, you know, they gave them like their traditional, like Swedish food and Thai food and they switched them and like they measured how, how much of the nutrients you absorbed Mm -hmm. and the food that they didn't like, which was like the opposite, um, culture's food. Like they didn't absorb hardly any of the nutrients versus the Thai people who, you know, were eating Thai food. Mm -hmm. Um, so I don't know. I thought that was really fascinating, but it's so true. It's like, you know, and that's kind of where I'm struggling because I've noticed like if I post, I, okay, this is so weird, but I love egg whites. Like I just, I love egg yolks, but I also just like love egg whites for some reason. And all my friends have always made fun of it, like made fun of me for it. And I haven't been able to just like post that I'm eating egg whites on Instagram because I'm afraid that people are going to be like, that's not intuitive eating or that's, you know, not body positive, you know, cause it's t- uh, typically like a diet food. Yeah. And so that's like one instance where that's what I'm trying to explore in 2019 is like, you know, intuitive eating has also become this kind of inclusive, like exclusive, um, way of eating where it's like, like, why are you eating cauliflower pizza when you could have the real thing? And it's like, well, I kind of like cauliflower pizza, you know? So I don't know. But then also, like you said earlier, it's like, you can have the real thing as well and enjoy it if that's what you want. Yeah. A hundred percent. Oh, I'm so glad that we talked about this because like I, I think last year posted when I, I probably weighed like 15 or 20 pounds more. Again, it doesn't, it's not a matter of numbers at all. I don't weigh myself, but it was a matter of me feeling physically like immobile in a way. Like I just wasn't myself. And so I felt weird and it took so much to be like, I'm losing weight, but it's not because I don't love myself. Like I just want to feel better and I still love myself and that's why I want to lose weight. So it's like, intuitive in terms of anything is just so different for everyone. So I love that we're just like telling everyone this because it just takes all the pressure off of anyone, you mm-hmm. know, like if you like it's, kale, eat it. <laughs> totally. And it's so tricky. And I think I've started to dabble with like posting about it, but I'm glad that we're talking about it verbally because it is something that, you know, no matter what you say, like you're always going to offend someone and there's always going to be people that don't agree with you, which is totally fine. Like there's so many different perspectives, but I'm just wanting to share like my journey and kind of, you know, show that your, your perception of food can change too, because, you know, like I started 
you and I started on one side, then we swung way over the other. And I mean, the moral of the story is like, it's always balanced. Like at the end of the day, you know, um, which is not like sexy. That doesn't sell, but, <laughs> but, it's but true. that's like what it is. Yeah. And it's nice too, because I've come to realize like when you can have the power of, like you said, like own, I've realized if you're going to go out there and say, you know what, I've only been eating egg whites and kale this week and I am so happy, then no one can argue with your happiness. So it's like, it's so nice because it it kind of takes away from it being like, oh, I'm doing this. Are you doing that? Who's doing this? And it's like, I'm happy because I do this. Like, what makes you happy? And it's so easy when you think about it like that. So making a little bit of a shift here. (laughs) (laughs) I think I could talk about this for another seven episodes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I do want to get into the development of granola butter and how when you were working a full-time job you had this idea and then just how things escalated from there yeah so okay so after I graduated um went into health tech which is like has nothing to do with nutrition um which was kind of intentional honestly I I think subconsciously I was a little burned out on nutrition just because I had like obsessed about it for so long and so I was like all right I'm living in San Francisco this is like the mecca for, for tech. Like I'm going to be super cliche and do this and just try it out. So I worked for this awesome company called Doximity. Um, they're kind of like LinkedIn for doctors. Um, and just, I loved it. I mean, I love my team. I love my boss, like had a great experience and I was in a product marketing role there. Um, so I was there about two and a half, three years. Um, and about two years, two and a half, two or two years in, um, I, you know, started Avo Queen and it was definitely just like a side thing. Like I was, had no idea that people could even make money on Instagram. Like that was just mind blowing to me. I'm like, you can make money for just being yourself. Like that's so weird. Um, but also like, tell me more. Um, like how do I sign up? So I was kind of just playing around with that and, you know, didn't think that it was going to like turn into anything. Um, and then about, I would say six months after that, um, started to have the idea for granola butter. So I was in my kitchen and I'm not like nut free or anything, but you know, I was kind of in this point where I was like, eat all the things like, yes, girl, you deserve it. You know? And I was like, nut butter, peanut butter, like give me all the like coconut yogurt. And, um, just, it was a lot of nuts. And so, um, digestively, like I was just pretty unwell and, um, and so I was like, oh, like, I wish there was some spread out there that was, like, nut-free because I know there's, like, cookie butter that's not, like, doesn't make me feel great. Mm-hmm. And – but I'm like, what else? And, like, there's, like, sunflower seed butter, but that's, like, kind of bitter. Um, some people like it, but I was like, oh, not for me. So I couldn't find, like, a spread. And then it just dawned on me. I was like, oh, my God. Like, there's nut butter. There's cookie butter. I'm like, why is there no granola butter? Like, bitches love granola. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Sorry. I don't know if I – Yeah, you can. It's okay. Bitches love granola. Um <laughs> – And so I was like, oh my God. So I started kind of like playing around in the kitchen. And then, um, at the same time, it was just, you know, hindsight's 2020, but it all kind of the stars aligned. And, um, Ari, who's our third co-founder, he was over in Paris and Eric and I had planned this like trip to Paris. And, you know, we met up with Ari and Ari had worked at like Michelin star restaurants. He worked at Nomad in New York and, um, some really, you know, fancy like shishi restaurants and he also went to culinary school so he had this kind of like fine dining background and so we were in Paris like hanging out with him I think we're like drinking in front of the Eiffel Tower and we're like you know shooting the shit and we're like we have this idea like I just want to run it by you and like Ari has no wellness like he's like so removed from the wellness bubble 
he's like, to make it taste good, you add butter, you know? And yeah. so like, and I told him about like bone broth and he was like, they charge how much for that? Like that's literally the scraps. Like what? He just thinks it's the dumbest thing. Yeah. And, um, which it is kind of, but I love it. And, um, and so we told him about this idea and he was like, okay, like kind of like interested, but like was doing his, you know, restaurant thing. So fast forward a couple months later, he, um, moves back to the U S and I was like, and he was like in between jobs and I was like, Ari, like you need to take this recipe to the next level. So he does like, I love cooking, but I do not have like the Ari magic. And, um, and so he just like adds like all these really cool spices and I tried it and I was like, this is the real deal. Like we can sell this shit. Like this is like, you know, when you give it to someone who isn't your mom and isn't friends with you and they're like, yes, you know, (laughs) I like gave it to my mom. She's like, this is amazing. I'm like, you would say that with anything. Um, so yeah. So then Eric, um, and I were both working full time still and it was a struggle. I mean, I would say for anyone who's like, kind of wanting to do some sort of side hustle like you have to give up your weekends you have to give up your nights you know I was like very social especially like the first year or two out of college and living in the city like I was always going out and seeing friends and I kind of disappeared off the face of the earth Mm -hmm. for a little bit and my friends were like yo like where are you are you okay and I was like yeah just like focusing on me right now like growing this business seeing where I can take it um and so I don't know I mean everyone has the same like 24 hours in a day as Beyonce, I mean, she has assistants, but, um, <laughs> but like, it's really like about how you prioritize your time. And so like, you know, maybe instead of going to bottomless brunch, I would like, like work on my business. <laughs> um, and so Eric and I both worked and then it kind of got to the point, um, where I just, I was doing both like very poorly. Um, and I was just like, oh, okay, I need to like make a decision. And so I left my job, I think in August, mm-hmm. um, August or September, and, um, and Eric actually still is working full time, but he's probably going to leave his job pretty soon. Oh, okay. Um, so yeah, so then it kind of has gotten to the place where we are today. And so we have, you know, us three co-founders and then we actually brought on a fourth co-founder. Um, her name is Tess and she used to work for Momofuku Milk Bar, like in their R and D. And so she has a ton of like industry experience. Um, but yeah, and we, I don't know, it's been really exciting and like it's, I wake up every day with the Sunday scaries, like the everyday scaries, just <laughs> being like, Holy shit, what am I doing? This is crazy. Um, I'm like still not paying myself. And so that's also like scary. You know, it's just a race against time, like my bank account, basically. <laughs> like how long, how long can you, how low can you go? Yeah. Um, yeah, no, it's been fun. It's like, I'm so passionate about it. And like, I cannot even imagine going back to a desk job, like after seeing what it's like to just try and build like your own baby. Yeah. And I love this because you were just in your kitchen, had this idea, and instead of being like, well, I don't know. I don't know anything about it. I, I'm not sure. You were just like, bam, this is it. Like, you oh, followed no. the flow. Oh, no. I had all of those thoughts, too. <laughs> so you still did oh, it. Oh, my God. Oh, no. That was like – well, it was good because – so Eric is more like the logistics, like, practical, you know, get shit done type of guy. And I'm like the ideator. Like, I like brainstorming, but I don't actually like following through and like – with the brainstorm ideas. And so I, you know, so we start kind of looking into it and it's like, you got to get this permit and this and file your LLC and like legal shit and business shit. And I was like, ugh, like that's boring. I'm like, I just want to make like flavors all day, you know? (laughs) And so he, I, I really give him props because he was the one that was like, no, like let's do this. And like sat down with me and got me focused and like, thank God that we did because otherwise if it was just me, I mean, I don't know how some solo founders do it. Um, but I probably would have been like, that's a cool idea. Like, 
I invented this, but not going to do anything with it, yeah. you know? Yeah. And it just worked out so well that you both yeah. were like, all right, let's do this. Yeah. And if you want to talk a little bit about what it was like taking that step, leaving your full-time job to go full-time with your business, like if it was similar to me, which I'm sure it was, you're kind of like, what am I doing? And then I cried for three days and I was like, what's going on? Absolutely. Oh my God. Well, okay. Yeah. So I mean like tangible tips, like I would definitely save, like I, I kind of gave myself a timeline. So like make sure you have at least enough money to get you through like six months. I don't know. And then I had a timeline. I was like, if, if in a one year I'm still not paying myself, like I need to reevaluate maybe, you know? Um, and so I kind of have this deadline of August, 2019 (laughs) where I I gave myself a year and like my parents are so supportive and, um, you know, I'm, I'm very blessed to be able to, you know, Eric is covering like most of our rent and I've worked out arrangements where, um, that's made things a little bit easier, but I know for everyone that's not the case. And so, um, doing what you can, maybe that's like taking on, like, I know a girlfriend that, that kind of is pursuing her side hustle and she does like Instacart on the side or, um, like driving for Uber, like, you know, those kind of things or like teaching in a yoga studio or, you know, anything you can to kind of just supplement. Because I think the minute that you focus on like shit, like how am I going to pay rent this month? Like that's when your creativity and like everything goes out the window because you're just stressed, you know? Um, so doing whatever you can, although it's going to be very stressful, um, like to kind of mitigate that is key. Also, don't compare yourself to like anyone on social media because I mean, friends will see me and they're like, Oh my God, like your life looks like you're crushing it in business. And like, you guys are killing it. You've gone to this store and this store. I'm like, well, yeah. Cause like I only post about when we get into new stores. So like yeah. you only see, you know, yeah. I'm not going to be like, Oh, well we didn't get this account. Like bummer. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Maybe I should. I don't know, but it's different. Like in, I can be super transparent with Avo queen, but like with queen and co I'm like, well with business stuff, like, I don't know if I should post that. Um, so yeah, I would say like, don't, I don't know, don't compare yourself to other people. Like your journey is your journey and like everything happens for a reason. A hundred percent. And like you were just saying, it's funny because I went full time and then for six months I was like, okay, doing my thing, doing my thing. And then when we got to Colorado, it ended up just feeling right to get a part-time job. And I didn't even have the thought of like, that's a step back. It was more of like, this would be fun. And then when you have money coming in, then you can believe more money's coming in and then you'll attract more money. And it's like, it's nice because it's kind of like, do whatever feels right. Like do, do what you can. But the comparison thing is so important. Like we are so quick to compare our step one to a step 100 on Instagram. And that's just like, like you said, like creativity will just go out the window because you're like, oh my gosh, I'll never get there. Or how am I going to get there? But you can't get there from here. It's enjoying the journey. Totally. Yeah. And that's something I, I'm kind of nervous about for the generation that's like just below us. Cause my brother is 21, 22. And I've noticed like, he's not as, maybe this is just him, but like he, him and his friends aren't as motivated, um, to do like the long-term investment of like putting the work in for that, that gain and that reward at the end. And I think my mom and I are talking about, I think it's because like, he's into like quick, like Bitcoin and like flipping stocks and stuff like that. And I'm like, I think it's because he sees all these guys on Instagram that are like, look at all my cars and like, look at this house. And cause you kind of see you, you like all of a sudden think like everything's instant gratification. Yeah. And, and even, I mean, even myself, I was like, Oh wow. Like all these other food companies have like pretty much exploded. Like you think of like 
RX bar or even a perfect bar. It's like perfect bar has been around for over 10 years. Like, you know, they're not this like huge brand that just emerged overnight. Like, well, RX bar is like kind of an enigma. Like they kind of did emerge overnight, but, um, (laughs) but you know, it's like, you see, I don't know, you kind of see just the highlight reel and then you think that that's your reality. And, um, even going into it, I was like, this is gonna be hard work, but like, I didn't realize how hard it was going to be. Yeah. And that's like, it's so interesting because you learn to appreciate things as challenges. You know what I mean? Like at at first I was kind of like, I can't do this. And you find it as a struggle. And then you're like, all right, this is the next challenge. How how are we doing this? And it's like, it's nice because it's just like by default, you're just up leveling yourself as you go. And it's so nice because when you look at something you do, then you're like, wow, I could never have done this six months ago. So it's a good thing that I focused on step-by-step and which kind of all leads me to, I think that I want to say you've posted this quote before, but every time I see it, I laugh because it's true. It's something on the lines of, for all the people who say, do what you love and you'll never work a day in your life. It's not true because then you end up working, working every day. Time. <laughs> so if you I saw that quote and I was like, like this is literally my life. <laughs> right? Because like, it's it, it blows my mind when my friends are like, so what are you up to this weekend? I'm like, what? I'm like, it's Saturday. Like, I'm working. What are you doing? (laughs) Right. Yeah. And so what, if you have any tips would be towards finding a balance because it can be, because when you love what you're doing, it is like a little bit addictive, but then you, you get three weeks in and you're like, Oh my gosh, I'm burnt out. So if you have any tips for getting into a good place before burnout, or if you do reach burnout, then what do you do? No, absolutely. Yeah. So I kind of think of my life as like, um, like buckets. And so like, obviously, and like each bucket has like a little hole in it and like, it's like slowly, it's like dripping out, you know, it's like such a, I've always thought of it this way. I don't even know where I got it, but like, and so it's like, like almost like a gas leak in like everyone. And so I was realizing I've been spending so much time with Eric, um, you know, spent a ton of time with my family over the holidays I was working really hard and I was still like feeling a little unfulfilled. And like, I love my family. I love Eric. I love what I do, but I was like, something's missing. And I was like, you know, working out. And so I'm trying to like go through, I'm like, what am I missing? And it was girl time. Like I hadn't seen my girlfriends in the, I can't even remember the last time. And so, um, thankfully it was, you know, the holiday. So a lot of them, like my high school friends and stuff were home and like after just having a, like a wine night, like we made pizzas and just like hung out and caught up. I was like, Oh, like you just feel like that part of you is like yeah. bursting. You're like, okay, it's back to full again, you know? And it's always a balance. I wouldn't say like, there's like one thing that I do that like helps, but I think it's just like taking kind of like an inventory of like your different buckets. Yeah. Um, and then just being like, okay, like I haven't spent that much time with, like, I need to call my mom or, you know, I haven't spent any alone time. I think alone time is another huge thing. Like, mm-hmm. and alone meaning like not alone with your computer, like alone, like, mm-hmm. you know, walking outside or like even listening to a podcast. I'm a huge podcast person, like just walking alone, mm-hmm. um, yoga, you know, anything like that. So that's kind of helped me. And I notice it actually, I'm starting to really be grateful for my emotional eating like urges that I get because it lets, it's like an indicator. It's like, you know, and like a empty, like gaslight. That's like, ding, 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 like <laughs> something's not right here. Um, and so that's actually helped me a lot in terms of like, I'm feeling like a little, like I want to eat something. And I'm like, okay, wait, like what's, what am I lacking? Or like, what is empty in my life right now? That's such a good, I've never thought of it like that. That's so interesting that like Mm -hmm. when you have that, 
want to emotional eat or that's what it is for us or if it's for someone like, I don't know, smoking a cigarette or whatever, like whatever, it's because you're now out of alignment with what you're doing. So it's time to move on. That is so good. That's such a good way to think about it. Yeah. It helps a lot. Yeah. I've like really tried to shift to being like grateful for my, because before I was so scared of like my emotional eating urges or whatever. And now I'm like, okay, this is a good signal that like I need to check in with myself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's interesting too, because Sometimes I, I'm, I'm such a, like, I can't figure out if it's like this mix of everything happens for a reason, but also like we control our reality. And I think they're both so true because for example, for you, if you maybe hadn't had these patterns with eating and going through all this, maybe you would never have been standing in your kitchen and been like granola butter. So it's so interesting to take everything that we go through for what it's worth. And then just like you said, like feel grateful for the mess that happened and for what's going on because then that's what we can talk to, you know? Absolutely. Oh my God. And that's something that for, that I didn't realize that for the longest time. Like I was so, when I was kind of in this path or in this journey of like recovering and stuff, I was like mad at myself. Cause I was like, damn, like how much cooler could my college experience have been if I like didn't have these issues with food, but you can't, like, you can't do that. You can't like regret, you know, the years that you lost or anything. Like all you can do is be like, I'm grateful for where I am. Like everything happens for a reason. Like where I am now is because like of my past and um yeah and like you said it's like I probably wouldn't be where I am like if I didn't have all this shit with food so, <laughs> so thank you Same yeah. <laughs> right. and so before we get to the quote and wrap up I do want to because I got so excited for you and this was before I'd even like met you in real life the fact that Queen and Co. Granola Butters and Pressed Juiceries. That is, congratulations. Yeah. So exciting. Like, <laughs> Thank oh my you gosh, so were much. you so pumped when that happened? Like, yeah, yeah, it was pretty crazy. Like, so we, the craziest part was we had been, so I first started talking to them in March. Mm-hmm. So, like, it's been like almost a year. And so, you know, trying, I'm like the worst at keeping secrets. Yeah. So, like, to anyone, like, never tell me a secret because I will immediately tell it. <laughs> like, just, yeah, all my yeah. friends know that. And, um, I'm just a loud mouth. And so when they, like, when we were working on it, I was like, oh my God, like, I want to just tell people like so badly, but then you're kind of nervous. Cause you know, they're obviously such an established big company that we were like, okay, we don't want to like leak it or, you know, like what yeah. if it falls through, that'd be awkward. Um, and so finally, yeah. And kind of a funny story with that too, real quick is like over Thanksgiving, we had, um, this huge machine delivered that was like supposed to help us like basically 10 X our production speed. Um, and we had been previously using like way smaller machines and like doing everything by hand and for this huge order that they had placed and the machine comes, of course, doesn't work. And we're like, Oh, and we had, I mean, this taught me so many things, but above all, it's like, have a backup plan for your backup plan for your backup plan. And like, we didn't have a backup plan. We were like, Oh my God. And so I was leaving on Thanksgiving vacation. Eric and I were going to Puerto Vallarta. So we had to cancel Well, we pushed that back, but we were basically in the kitchen for like 60 hours in like four days. Like we had like almost slept in the kitchen and like, thank God on Thanksgiving day, my family came and like all helped us. And like, we finished at like 2 a.m. And like, it was just like, we took a picture, like a selfie that we were like, we're going to remember this later. But at the time we were like red eyes and just like so tired. Um, so it's a funny story for like in a couple years from now, but still right now I'm like, Oh, too soon. Like, (laughs) yeah, but, um, but yeah, no, we're super excited. We're, we're really trying to explore more like food service. So so using granola butter as a topping or like even as a mix in for like, you know, ice cream, um, shops, like I would love like salt and straw, like to partner with 
them or something like that. Um, but really kind of highlighting that we're nut free. Um, because I mean, a lot of people with nut allergies, I mean, with press, their base is made out of almond milk. So like that doesn't matter. But like for a lot of these ice cream companies, I mean, think about if you're allergic to nuts, like you can't have any sort of those like swirls. So, um, or topping. So it's like, I don't know, like they can, they can be like part of the cool kids too. (laughs) Just trying to be inclusive here. Yeah. A hundred percent. So for people listening, is the best way for them to get it through the Queen and Co website, which will be in the show notes. But yeah, yeah, on our website, um, we're on Amazon. We will be we will be Amazon Prime pretty soon oh, too, nice. which will be awesome. Yeah, so that'll help. Um, so I know a lot of people like I love just doing Amazon Prime, and it's like it's not Prime. I'm like, well, I won't buy it then. Um, so that's coming soon. Um, but yeah, just Queen Co. And then if you want to just follow along, um, our Instagram is Queen and Co. Cool. Very nice. Yay. Well, thank you so much for having me. Of course. Yeah. And before we wrap up, do you have a quote or something that you want to leave everyone off with? Yeah. So, um, I was telling you earlier, but it's not really a quote, but just kind of a mentality, um, that my mom instilled in me. Um, like growing up, she always, um, was just like, she wouldn't take no for an answer basically. Um, and I always call it like the pit bull mentality. And I was so embarrassed growing up because like she would ask, like just the most ridiculous questions to anyone. Mm -hmm. And like in my mind, I'm like, of course they're going to say no. And then they would say yes. And like these crazy doors would open. Um, like we were at the Rolling Stones concert in Chicago and she like befriended the lights guy, um, who like worked, you know, did the lights for the concert. And she was like, is there any way you have two extra like pit passes to get down by like Mick Jagger. And I'm like, mom, those, those passes are like two grand each. Like he's going to say no. And he was like, and like, no one would even ask that because it's just so outrageous. And I mean, it also helps that she's like really cute and like spunky and dynamic. And, um, and she was like, I'm a dentist in San Diego. Like I'll do your dental work. And I'm like, mom, we're in Chicago. Like what? And the guy, it was crazy. He was like, Oh my God, I'm going to Chicago or I'm going to San Diego next month. And I need a dentist. And he was like, let me see what I can do. Comes back with two pit passes. We like are ten feet away from Mick Jagger the whole night. Oh my god! Yeah. So like literally, that that was like a defining moment in my life because I was like fourteen or fifteen, you know, and I was like in my angsty phase of like ugh, my parents don't know anything. Yeah. And moving like ever since that moment, I was like, just ask, like just be a pit bull and like just ask. Like the worst thing anyone can say is no. Yeah. So it's helped a lot with business because you know, like I, I don't know, I just ask like ridiculous questions. I mean, even with press, like I reached out and I was like. Hey, like, do you want to work together? Yeah. Totally in my mind. I'm like, they're going to say no. We're yeah. tiny. Yeah. I don't know. It worked out. So, yeah. I love that. It's so true. You can't receive if you don't ask. Yeah. Oh, my God. I love <laughs> that. I love that. That's so perfect. Wow. Oh, my gosh. Well, okay. Thank you so much for coming on the show because yeah. this was just amazing. And there were so many nuggets and just so much good stuff. So, thank you so much for coming on. And your information will be in the show notes for anyone who wants to follow you if they don't, which they should. And, yeah, thank you so much, Allie, for coming on. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Bye. <laughs> And there you have it, guys, my amazing interview with Allie. Allie, thank you so much for coming on. It was such a pleasure to have you. I'm so grateful for you to come on. And for everyone who has not tried granola butter, I will be linking that information in the show notes. Like Allie said, you can get it on Amazon now, which is so great. And, I mean, who does not want to eat slash, like, maybe drink? (laughs) Just lap it up with a spoon. Edible liquefied Teddy Grahams. So on the real, though... 
such a good episode, and I'm sure you guys loved it as much as I did. So again, thank you, Allie, and thank you all for tuning in, and I will talk to you soon.